second and long, and, and the Broncos, and those are the big horsey uh, players, they have the ball, and they're going to see if they can find a way to move it. Oh, nice. And so what's happening? Oh, there's Russ Wilson. That's called uh, an, an interception. That's close. That's close. Bobby Wagner. Yeah, that's not what he wanted to cook. No, I think he burnt whatever he was cooking. This is It Was a Thing on TV. Punisher. Control. Hey, before I change my mind. I give you Super Train. Episode 336, the 2022 year in review. The 2022 year in review lasted from January 1st, 2022 to December 31st, 2022 for 365 days of the year. Well, here we are, friends. You and me on the final page. Or you and us on the final page, I should say. With our annual year in review special of course, this is the episode of It Was a Thing on TV where we take a look back at all the things that happened in the past year on TV that will become the things on TV in the future. And I got to tell you guys, you guys brought out your tuxes today. You guys look magnificent. Why, thank you. Except Greg. Yeah. Somebody didn't tell you that uh, brown shoes don't go with tuxes. Are you trying to embarrass us? Yes. <laughs> Okay, fair enough. Well, let's start the worst in the year with something that we saw a lot of at the beginning of the year. An industry that we thought, and by we, I mean nobody except for idiots, thought was going to be rising high. And that, of course, was crypto. And at the end of the year, I went to the movie theaters and I saw an advertisement before The King's Man. And I saw this commercial with Matt Damon. It was about space. And I thought, this seems awesome. I wonder what this is about. And then he said, fortune favors the brave. And then it cuts and it says, crypto.com. And I said, fuck off. <laughs> Those words. I literally said that right in the theater. Okay. For those who uh, forgot the commercial, he says, In these moments of truth, these men and women, these mere mortals, just like you and me, as they peer over the edge, they calm their minds and steal their nerves with four simple words that have been whispered by the intrepid since the time of the Romans. Fortune favors the brave. All this to sell you something that theoretically does not exist. Because that's basically what crypto is. It is money that does not exist. Yet you pay real money for it. It's like Disneyland fun bucks. But at least you guys can hold Disneyland fun bucks in your hand. And also, this year's Super Bowl was filled with crypto ads everywhere. Every freaking break, there was a crypto ad for this and a crypto ad for that. But I should mention the most hilarious crypto ad in retrospect 
from that Super Bowl was the one Larry David did for FTX. <laughs> Where the ad basically was Larry David crapping on things that turned out to be revolutionary. <laughs> and then the end, it's like crypto, and Larry's like, nah, I don't think this is going to work. And who knew in retrospect? Oh, yeah, he'd be right on the money with that. You won't believe what happened. Boy, that didn't age well. Nope. All right. Well, let's get going with another series of ads that I remember from early in the year. And that was the Kathy Bates Merge Mansion ads. Now, Jago, you did not know about this until right before we started taping this. So, can you explain what Merge Mansion is? It's basically a uh, casual game along the lines of Homescapes or Candy Crush, where you're basically following a storyline, and the only way to advance the storyline is to play like this whole match three game on your phone. Yeah. I saw these ads on Instagram like every like freaking hour. Like every time I'd scroll in, there's another ad for Merge Mansion. And yet I have not seen one of these ads. I, well, the first ad I've seen was the Kathy Bates ad that you showed me shortly before we went recording. I saw it and I'm looking at this this young lady who's going into a tool shed. It looks like forged in fire freaking threw up in it. There were just knives upon knives upon knives. That's how uh, weird it was. And it ends with the question, what's grandma hiding? Download now to find out. But this goes into a point Mike made like a year or two ago with the uh, John Goodman slot of mania ads. Like, how much did they have to pay Kathy Bates to do these ads? Also, does anybody really know anybody who plays Merge Mansion? I've never heard of it till now, and I've never actually said, hey, oh, what's your status on Merge Mansion? I mean, I've got friends and co-workers who are like, oh, you play Candy Crush. What level are you on? Never have I heard anybody say anything about Merge Mansion. No. This game is really weird. I guess it implies that Grandma's a murderer, but when you actually play the game, she's not really a murderer. I don't know. I think it's false advertising, so... Well, half of all of the uh, Match 3 games that are advertised, like, in an Instagram or a Facebook ad, is false advertising. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and the thing of it is, they, like, try and get out of the whole sort of false advertising accusations by saying, if you want this sort of thing, you have to play it to a higher and higher, higher level. But you notice that they never give us a number of that level. No. Things that make you go, hmm. Hmm. But okay. Oh, God. I can't believe I got to talk about this, but. It's okay. We're here. All right. This might have been a franchise killer moment. Yeah. This is the official moment of, well, we're out of ideas. Somebody 
at Fox thought, you know who would be a good get for the Masked Singer? Rudy Giuliani. Not even close. The PR backlash. Oh, God. And, the, and then somebody at Fox said, you know it would be a really good idea? Advertising that Rudy Giuliani was going to be on this season of The Masked Singer. <laughs> oh, God. So that is 0 for 2 on good ideas for The Masked Singer this year. And it seems like after that, now this happens earlier in the in the uh, spring season of The Masked Singer. I don't think that the show itself was just so watchable after that. I really haven't seen an episode of The Masked Singer all year. I don't know if it's because I don't care or if it's because of the whole Rudy thing. And then you had the rumors back in like July, August. Why wasn't Tom Brady at training camp? Oh, he was on The Masked Singer, supposedly. But we'll talk about the whole Tom Brady thing a little bit later. Yeah. But now we get to talk about another train wreck. Hey, remember when last year we were talking about CNN Plus and how that was going to launch in 2022? Well, it launched, and then one month later, Warner Brothers Discovery said, Nope, we're done with this. Grand opening, grand closing. Boy, makes Quibi look uh, like a brilliant move. At least Quibi has like a future. Uh, well, the uh, products on Quibi had a future as Roku snatched up the rights and are currently exercising those rights. You know, I hear about ESPN Plus and everybody knows about that. You know, to, to get the inside scoop. Does CNN Plus, does anybody really want to spend money on a CNN Plus? They can't wait for the two seconds until... This is CNN Breaking News. They can't wait like those two seconds. I, mean, I don't get it. Do they really want to watch Wolf Blitzer anytime they want? Well, we know that Kiesla will watch Don Lemon anytime she wants. Even though he's on the morning now. Yes, that is true. He's now on the morning show on CNN. Only because they had to reboot it for like the 18th time or something. It's like the CNN morning show. File that one perennially under God bless them, they're trying. It was just so easy and not to mention intelligent to just, you know, take the Morning Express with Robin Mead and broadcast it on CNN. It makes too much sense, Chico. Stop using your brain. But that makes perfect sense. And now Robin Mead doesn't have a job. I don't no, think. Robin Mead doesn't have a... No, she doesn't. No. Well, we'll talk it's about that. a shame. It's yeah, sad. it is. It is. We'll talk about it near the end of the segment. But, okay. When I saw a promo for this show, I was like, oh, my God, we got to talk about this in the worst of... Because this is <laughs> so stupid. We have to bring it up. And that is on ABC. I can't believe I'm saying this with a straight face. <laughs> Judge Steve Harvey 
Why? Why would anyone want to see Steve Harvey as a judge settling freaking disputes in a courtroom? Well, we could also add on to that. Why would anybody want to see Steve Harvey as a dollar store shark tank person when he did Thunderdome? Remember that from a couple years ago? Oh my God, I forgot about Thunderdome. Holy crap, that was terrible. Yeah. But still, I mean, Steve Harvey is a known commodity. People love him on the feud. Does that necessarily carry over to a courtroom setting or a Shark Tank setting? Well, obviously, both were very bad, and both are not going to be on TV next year. No. Obviously, Thunderdome was like 2020 or so, but yeah. But you know who made a cameo on an episode of Judge Steve Harvey, guys? I know this because I'm looking at it right now. Who? Scott Steiner. That's right. And you know what he probably said at the courtroom to Steve what did Harvey? He probably say? You know, they say Steve Harvey that all courtrooms are created equal. Well, I'm a genetic freak and I'm not normal. And this opponent here in the courtroom has a 45% chance winning against me. I knew there were going to be some advanced percentages thrown around. Well, you know, Scott Steiner, he likes to use his math percentages. He does like to use his math percentages. Okay, now let's get into... Oh, Chico, go ahead with this one. Oh, gosh. So, Jeff Garland said some things and was fired. Let's just say fired from the Goldbergs. But they still had to explain away his absence. And rather than using a double or recycled footage or whatever or what have you... They decided to use CG. Really bad CG. And here's how they wrote him off in the premiere. Season 10 was basically several months after Murray Goldberg's death. And I have a photo now, and oh god, oh, oh! What the hell? What the hell, man? That's the bad CGI from the wedding scene where they had to insert his character from the Goldbergs in. Yep. Mike, do you want to see this photo I just sent? I see it. And what are your thoughts? What the heck? (laughs) I'm I'm just saying, what the heck? It looks like a Madame Tussauds wax statue. No, at least the Madame Tussauds wax statue looks lifelike. No, I'm going to agree with Greg on this. I'm getting some Madame Tussauds vibes on this. Oh my gosh. And of course, you know, uh, Jeff Garland, he was relieved of his duties on the Goldbergs following HR investigations into, and now I'm quoting Deadline, misconduct allegations. Mm. Use your imagination. You know they could have just like killed him off. He was choked at, uh, on something at dinner, or got into a car accident. Why? There's other ways they can kill off people without actually like doing this. Oh my gosh! Yep. And actually, I'm looking at the candles behind him. It looks like a funeral. With, with all those candles and the pictures in the background? Well, that's... I think, like, one of the characters on the Goldbergs got married. That was, like, before they killed him off. 
That was after he well, got fired, it. but they need to find a reason to put his character in the episode. But it does look like a funeral. It does. Do not cry for the career of Jeff Garland. He is going to be on Never Have I Ever's final season next year. Okay. Well, let's segue into the most talked about moment of 2022. Boy, the last time I saw a slap that good, it came from Zachary Quinto. Stick around in about two months. Just saying. <laughs> uh, it was a slap that made Zachary Quinto proud. But yeah, Chris Rock told a joke about Jada Pinkett, and boy, that made Will Smith so pissed. He went on stage, and he slapped the absolute crap out of Chris Rock. And if that had ended... That would have just been like, ha, 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 should Will Smith have slapped Chris Rock? Should Chris Rock have said that joke? He was like, that's all anyone would talk about for a month. Not like, what's going on in Ukraine? No, everyone wants to talk about Chris Rock getting slapped by Will Smith. Ugh, that was something else. Yeah, turns out, in the uh, the outcome of that sort of episode... Will Smith has resigned from the Academy and was issued a 10-year event ban from the Academy. So you will not see him in the Oscar audience for the next 10 years. Oh, well, when that's up, boy, they'll, they'll make a funny joke and it'll be like, ha remember when that happened? I think the moral of the story here is you don't joke about alopecia or any other disease or disorder. Seriously, if this wasn't like alopecia, and I know maybe on the grand scale of things, it's not that huge, but would you make a joke about cancer or AIDS? No. Just totally bad judgment by Chris Rock, and I totally understand Will Smith defending his lady. And also, I should note, on the Mega64 podcast, Rocco Bodie tells a hilarious story about how he was in because he was the night of the Oscars at like a closed circuit thing like nearby at like the theater like next door to the what I know is it still the Kodak theater there and uh where the Oscars it's the Dolby it's the Dolby theater now okay well he tells this hilarious story about how he was planning on leaving, and then Will Smith slaps Chris Rock, and he's like, oh, I gotta stay for this. And there was, like, this guy on stage, because, so when Will Smith did the foul mouth rant at Chris Rock, they muted the audio, and everyone was like, why is the audio muted? Put the audio back on! You're muted! And then somebody on stage had to say to everybody at the closed circuit theater, uh, I guess... Chris Rock said something about Will Smith's wife, and uh, Will Smith was pissed. And, uh, you know, that's a sensitive subject. You shouldn't joke about that. It was like this whole this weird bullshit thing to get everyone calm. And, oh, it was a it was a great story, but oh, everything about that was just it was the most talked about story of the year, and. 
boy, was that gold. But okay, let's move on. So the Manning cast, very successful at ESPN. How about we try it with Sunday Night Baseball? No. No. Let's have Alex Rodriguez and Michael Kay do an alternate broadcast on ESPN2. Why would anyone want to watch this? You said it yourself. Because it works with Peyton and Eli Manning. Okay, I can understand Alex Rodriguez. I can understand why. But Michael Kay. Yankee fans don't even like Michael Kay. Why would anyone want to watch an alternate broadcast for Michael Kay? Why? Mike, do you have an answer as to why? No, I, I'm shrugging my shoulders. I, I, I don't get it either. But also, even A-Rod, sorry, A-Rod is, is from that tainted era. At least Peyton and Eli Manning played clean their careers. Yeah, but at least A-Rod's a fine presenter on telecasts. I mean, I can understand no, why I, they would have on. No, I, I agree with you on that, but... Yeah, Michael K. Like I said, I did a little shoulder shrug, and that's about all the reaction I can give you. That's not good. No. Yeah. Okay. So the Sports Business Journal described the K Rodcast as, quote, too buttoned up. This isn't the Manning cast. This wasn't like the barbershop feed for the NBA or whatnot. This was basically two people trying to talk over a baseball game. I don't know if you've ever been to a baseball game. I know Greg and Mike obviously have been to several baseball games, but talking with your boys during a baseball game, that's not out of the ordinary. I think that's what, what where it went wrong there, because they were trying to turn something that is not by its very nature out of the ordinary into something of a spectacle. Whereas Peyton and Eli talking in a football game, that was a spectacle. And it was a spectacle to behold because they got like, not just themselves, but a few of their friends. And now I see in this year, in the future that we are living in right now, Peyton has some real broadcasting chops. If you think about it. Yes. Whereas Michael Kay and Alex Rodriguez, you know of their abilities, but when you put them together, it's like they're trying to have this off-the-cup conversation in the middle of a baseball game. Why? Just why? Why indeed. Okay, now we're going to move on to another controversy. And Mike, I know you watched this show and... This had some controversy with it because the show was not entirely accurate, and that was the HBO show Winning Time about the Los Angeles Lakers and Jerry West basically criticizing the show. Well, I only saw like the first three episodes because they portrayed Jerry West as a total asshole. Total asshole throwing trophies through windows, uh, talking uh, some racist stuff. 
uh, in terms of who uh, the Lakers should draft in the 1979 draft. Uh, it was Magic Johnson. I forget who the other person was, but obviously if it was racial, it had to be a white person. Yeah, Jerry West, they did not portray him in the best of lights, to say the least. And that's why I checked out. Not that I'm a big Jerry West fan, mind you, but it was almost slanderous what they did. And, and again, this supposedly came from uh, a book. Uh, I, I think there was a book called Winning it, Time. Or... It was Jeff Perlman, which explains right. everything, because Jeff Perlman, not really the best writer, in my opinion. But yeah, just Jerry West, just they did him no favors. They did him dirty, if you will. And uh, I know there was talk about uh, potentially a lawsuit. I don't know if that ever went through or if that's uh, just a rumor at this point. But yeah, it, it was it was not good. Let's say that it was not good. A, a good representation of Jerry West, to say the least. And maybe even the whole background thing. Like I said, getting into racial stuff, saying should we draft the white guy or should we draft the black guy? Yeah. Let's get into one of our favorite punching bags on this show. We referred to him a few minutes ago. Yeah. So let's talk about friggin' the piece of sh QP out in Tampa. He got a friggin' ESPN Plus documentary series. And I'm like, who in God's name cares about this? Did you hear anybody talk about Tom Brady's ESPN Plus series? No. No, truly. I, I didn't even really know it was there. I, I stumbled upon it one day, but it was just there. It's like, I don't care about this. And I mean, the only people who probably care about it with all due respect is people within probably about 100 miles of Foxborough and uh, Bristol, Connecticut. Yeah, because, of course, this would be an ESPN production. I knew about it from like media promoting it on the website and over radio and over television. And I think to myself, Tom Brady, the man in the arena, is this about his college days at Michigan or something? Yeah, this is, this is the sort of thing that leaves you with more questions than answers. And I remember, okay, Channel 7 here in New York did like a segment, like, here's a clip from the ESPN Plus documentary series of Tom Brady. I'm like, who in New York would give two about this ESPN Plus documentary series about Tom Brady. You know why they probably had to do it? Because Disney told them, you have to plug this series. Yep. But here's the thing, and I'll say this about another show they had. They had a freaking six, seven-part series about Derek Jeter. Not everything ESPN has to be the last dance. You don't have to make it a seven- to eight-part epic. Just make it like two hours. Done. But okay, let's get into the other thing we're going to crap on Tom Brady about. Fox gave him a $375 million contract to broadcast whenever he retires, which who knows when the hell that's going to be. Considering he lost all his money in that FTX thing, and he got his ass cleaned up in the divorce. But... Who would want to listen to Tom Brady talk about football? I know who. Rupert Murdoch. I'm just 
where's Greg Olson in, the, in all of this? If anybody deserves like a max contract at Fox, it's that guy. If I were Greg Olson and he takes my spot, I'd be like calling NBC being like, hey, do you want to replace Collinsworth? I'll take that job on Sunday night. Thank you very much. No, they'll never get rid of Collinsworth. I'm sorry. Uh, he's getting up there, though. Well, he's getting up. No, you're right. He's up there. He's he's probably, gosh, got to be close to 70 at this point. I could just see him sort of doing the, uh, going to CBS instead, saying, hey, do you want somebody besides, like, Adam Archuleta on your broadcasts? Yeah, but the problem is they already have Romo. So it's, I mean, if he's going to take a job, it's going to be the top guy. Doing live research, he's 63. I would have thought he'd be closer to his late 60s. Yeah, he retired when he was like 30 because he was doing NFL games in like 89. Wow. Yeah, because I remember him doing Inside the NFL in like 90. So maybe Collinsworth has a good seven to 10 years left in him. Wow. Maybe, but it's like, okay, if you're Fox, you have Greg Olson, who you just promoted as the A color guy with Burkhardt as the A play-by-play guy, which we'll talk about the reasons why later. But it's like, you're admitting you have no confidence in Greg Olson as a color guy. Like, why? Why would you do that? Oh, I know why. Because you want to freaking uh, have a big name on your broadcast. And I'm like, what makes you think that Tom Brady would be an interesting personality. Like if you've ever listened to Tom Brady, I'm sorry. He has the personality of a wet fart. Like the only people that like Tom Brady are people that work in the media. Okay. Now let's move on and talk about another football related disaster. The new USFL. Did anybody watch this? I watched a couple of games, yes. Okay, Chica, what are your thoughts about the new USFL? I understand what they're trying to do with uh, spring football, and it goes back to the XFL 2.0 back in 2020 when they were you know, trying to get quality product on the air. But here's the thing. People are smarter than you give them credit for. By and large, the audience could tell that all of the games, doesn't matter what city they're playing for or what city they're playing to, they could tell that all the games are being played in the exact same arena. Yeah, because they were all in one spot, which I can understand if it was COVID, but it's like, it's a year post-pandemic. Mike, what's your comment about it? Exactly what Chico said. You had teams representing different cities, but every single game was played in Birmingham. And I don't know who won the championship. I didn't pay that much attention. But I did see that the Birmingham team, surprisingly, had probably the best record in the USFL. Go figure. Home field advantage and all that. But you know what? You can watch every USFL game on demand on Tubi. Because as we know, Tubi will have any crap on there. All right. I have the result for you, Mike. The Birmingham Stallions, and this is from The Athletic, the Birmingham Stallions became the inaugural champions of the USFL on Sunday, July 3rd, 
defeating the Philadelphia Stars 33-30 in the championship game. Stallions wide receiver Victor Bolton Jr. was the matchup's MVP. But again, all the games are played in Birmingham. The Birmingham team had the best record, at least in the regular season, from what I saw, and they won the championship. Who knew having a home field advantage would be that impactful? It was actually Kenton, Ohio. Tom Benson Hall of Fame Stadium. In oh, that's right. They did play that at Tom Benson. But still, again, during the regular season and probably presumably any playoffs leading up to that game, they're all played in Birmingham and Birmingham had the best record. So, you know, home field advantage and all that stuff. And I thought Bishop Sycamore would be the biggest disaster that Tom Benson Hall of Fame Stadium hosted. Bishop Sycamore, oh my god. For more about that, go to the 2021 year in review show. <laughs> but now let's get into another serious subject in the sports world in 2022. Live golf! I remember when that was a thing for like three months. Well, it's still a thing. Yeah. Yeah, but you're not hearing a lot of it on like media or on the radio or on or on television i think they just fired their coo i don't know if it's fired but yeah they did get rid of their coo the person who's basically bankrolling all this stuff like some higher up in in saudi arabia which essentially that's what this is this is the saudis trying to buy all the good golfers and start their own little tour and and they don't even have a TV deal in place at this point. No, they're buying time on Fox. Gee, isn't that terrific? An organization funded by the Saudis paid for time on Fox. Gee, that's not suspicious at all. But I will say, it is hilarious to see Phil Mickelson's reputation just crumple over this. It's like you could see his soul die every time he's trying to just whore this out and nobody wants to see this. And I did just hear in the last week or so that for the Masters coming up in April, they are going to allow uh, live golfers to participate with PGA golfers. And I I see this being some sort of like, I don't want to say turf war, but I, I could see them getting into some stuff. Your PGA uh, uh, tried and true veterans going against the Phil Mickelsons and the Greg Normans and anybody else who uh, backs uh, live golf. It's not going to end well. No. Spoiler. Hilarity is going to ensue. But now let's move on to the image that's behind me right now. Chico, do you want to describe the image behind me? All right. So behind Greg, his background photo, is a picture of Harry Carey. But here's the thing, though. Harry Carey's been dead for damn near 30 years now. Hi, Harry Carey here. I've only been dead for 25 years. I died in February 1998. That is not Harry Carey. That is a hologram of Harry Carey. And that is not just from any game. That is from the Field of Dreams game over the past year. Yeah. 
Somehow Fox thought, let's get a hologram Harry Carey to sing the seventh inning stretch. And I got to be honest. It does not look very much like Harry Carey. And actually, going back to Jeff Garland earlier, that looked like a Madame Tussauds statue. I don't know what's going on with Harry Carey there. It's like they got some actor to portray Harry Carey, and they made a Madame Tussauds wax statue of him. Oh, geez. Let's get into a, a controversy that was so hilarious that we crapped on crypto. Now let's crap on NFTs. Now let's talk about the Seth Green stolen NFT saga. So, okay. Seth Green had acquired a bored ape, and he was going to create a series called White Horse Tavern to be centered around an ape NFT that Seth had bought in 2021. But, okay. Here's the hilarious part. Seth Green's ape NFT was stolen from him in a hack. And he can't release the show unless he has the NFT in his possession. Because technically he doesn't own the NFT. I think this highlights how goddamn stupid NFTs are. Because as we've established on this podcast, NFTs, they're not real. They're not something you own. They're not a physical object. No. It's in their non-fungible tokens. You can't fudge them. No. You can't touch them. Oh, I think Seth Green got pretty funged up in this transaction. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh. An NFT show. Are you kidding me? Now let's move on to some bad people doing some bad things. And we'll start off with our favorite human being in the whole world, Jeff Zucker, who did a bad thing and he got removed from CNN. Jeff Zucker is basically the human version of a WWE shoot. Yeah. He had an affair with a a staffer at CNN. What the hell? But you know what? It makes sense, considering Jeff Zucker, as we all know, has the most ethical morale of anybody in the whole world. And by that, I mean he has none. Yeah, not only did Jeff Zucker resign from CNN, so did the lady that he was having an affair with. Allison Golist. Yeah, was it really worth it to lose your career over Jeff Zucker? No. Let's talk about more horrible people doing more horrible things. So, Vince McMahon was found by the Wall Street Journal to be giving hush money payments. And he was taking it from the WWE funds and the board of directors did investigation and found oh my god Vince McMahon has been stealing our funds to be giving these hush money payments to these women he's having an affair with and he resigned as CEO of WWE 
Oh, God. Can I give you a number? Yeah, give me the number. $3.4 million. $3.4 million that he stole to give those hush buddy payments out. Uh... Isn't he worth like a billion dollars? Yeah, supposedly. Okay, so three point four million out of a billion—that's sort of like you or me stealing like twenty bucks. Why is it, again going back to the whole uh, Jeff Zucker thing? Was it worth you know three point four million when you are worth so much money? Really? Let's talk about more horrible people doing horrible things. Todd and Julie Chrisley went to prison. Well, I guess Chrisley didn't know best. (laughs) 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 Yeah, uh, Todd and Julie Chrisley apparently aren't the self-made millionaires that we all thought they were. No! Because they are basically going to, uh, they're going to prison their report date is January 15th they've been sentenced to a combined 19 years for fraud and tax evasion oh my god and to be totally honest I still don't know who they are why are they famous because they have a show I guess no, I get that, but why did they get a show? They don't just give shows to random people. They don't just walk up to the street and say, hey, Greg Diener, we're going to give you your own reality show. No, they had to have a reality show for some reason. What's the reason? Damned if I know. I don't know. I don't know! I think there's our answer right there. So let's go and talk about uh, Ric Flair at the age of like what, 75? He 73, rest- I think. 73, 70, whatever. 73, 75. He old. But he had to wrestle his supposedly last match on an internet pay-per-view. And, oh, God. I've watched, like, clips of it. It was awful. Like, he looked, like, near death. And remember, I think, what was it, that one... Ed, we talked about in the um, in the Ric Flair commercials episode. What was it for those? That was the for the was it the bites where the guy was at the um, doorbell and he was like playing tricks with him near the doorbell. You remember that ad, Mike? Right? I, yeah. Oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Okay, I think you made a comment about how freaking damn near old he looked. He looked damn near like the crypt keeper in this match. And I I say this, I mean, I love Ric Flair. I appreciate everything he's done as a wrestler, but oh, God. It's like, no, don't do this, Rick. You got your health. You're thankfully still with us at your age, with all the horrid life you've led. You you got your Peacock documentary now. This, no, please, Rick, don't do this. Okay? That's all I got to say about that. Now let's move on to, uh, well, this came and went, the G4 reboot. One year, one year, and Comcast was like, no, we're done. It didn't have, like, a return on investment that um, would garner another 
year, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. Well, did either of you guys see the new G4? I saw clips here and there on Pluto. Yeah, I say either on cable or on Pluto, okay. Because there's some issues I had. I understand why they brought back G4, because obviously gaming now compared to gaming even 10, 12 years ago is vastly changed. I mean, obviously you go on like a Pluto TV or you go on YouTube or a Twitch and you've got gamers streaming live play 24-7. I totally get that. It seemed like most of their programming, though, deviated from that. It wasn't about gaming that much. Yeah, they had Attack of the Show. Yeah, they had some uh, other titles about gaming. But then they did, like, comedy stuff, like Scott the Waz. Admittedly funny, sometimes informational. But there's one show that really sticks in my mind and made me say, okay, G4 is on the Titanic. And they're playing the music already. It's ready to die. And this, I think, debuted, I want to say, within the last month of its life. Within, like, the last four to six weeks. It was a call-in show called Hey Donna. Not video game-related, period. This was basically a guy dressed as a woman, giving, uh, in sort of like a Brooklyn accent, giving advice to the lovelorn or people who had uh, issues in life. And it was the stupidest thing. And I'm sure it's still on YouTube somewhere. I'm sure it's on whatever remnants of G4's YouTube presence uh, is still around. But it was the stupidest thing I've ever seen. And at least the Pluto stream would run this in like three or four hour blocks. Horrible. And then they had uh, their own quote-unquote game show, air quotes there, called Name Your Price, which was even more stupid. Well, maybe just as stupid. And also, coincidentally, one of the hosts of Name Your Price was the guy who played Donna in Hey Donna. So they tried, but they sort of deviated from what worked back in the day and what I think their original idea was. Hey, gaming is more popular now than it was 10, 15 years ago. Let's capitalize on it. But then they took like a huge left turn and went into comedy and went into, I mean, they showed some interesting reruns. I mean, they showed uh, uh, Ninja Warrior, the original Ninja Warrior, and they showed Takeshi's Castle from like Indonesia or Thailand. That was cool. No, not video game stuff, but they sort of deviated from the norm. You want to talk about um, a show that you know started off with some promise, but then took like a hard left turn into lunacy? Their reboot of Arena. If you remember, the old G4 had the show Arena, and it was basically early esports on display. So G4 took the idea behind Arena. And then they teamed with the WWE to give, like, two people on the internet that had beef sort of an outlet. And that's where I think you kind of sort of lost me. Because, you know, I'll give Xavier Woods all the credit in the world. I think he's a stellar host. And I think 
once he's done wrestling, he's got a future as like a light entertainment presenter. But it's like, what the hell were they trying to do with that? Oh yeah, I saw some of that. I'm like, no, this does not work at all. So yeah, to quote Kevin Pereira, GGG4. I will give him credit though, Chico. They did bring back Starcade reruns, and those were glorious to watch at 5.30 and 6 in the morning as I'm getting ready for work. All right. Now let's talk about a streaming outlet that had all sorts of trouble in 2022. Well, we're going to be talking about two streaming outlets that had trouble in 2022. But first, we're going to talk about Netflix. Yeah, uh, Netflix, it was reported that they had a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad year. Of course, this was back before Wednesday came out or before Stranger Things came out. And next thing you know, it was like, all of a sudden, Netflix don't stink. Yeah, but here's the thing with Netflix, though. It's all released in one batch. They're still doing this in 2022. Yeah, they get hype. But it's like there for like maybe a week and then it's gone. Whereas with Disney Plus and HBO Max, it's weekly. It's like stuff has time to build. And Paramount. Don't forget Paramount. And Paramount Plus, yes. It's like, I don't understand why Netflix still does this model. Yeah, you get tremendous hype, but it's only hype for like a certain amount of time. And then everyone moves on to the next thing. But let's be honest. It's like, okay, other than Stranger Things and Squid Game and Wednesday, what do they have? The Circle. Uh, the Circle starting actually tomorrow as we record this. Season 5. With the first four episodes of Season 5. I've never they, even heard of this. You've never heard of The Circle? No! Okay, so... We have a bunch of people living in a loft in London, and they're all communicating using this social media platform, but they could either be themselves or they could be somebody else. And it seems like it's a one giant popularity contest, but people can't get enough of it. I think it's done really well. I think it's done better than Big Brother, if you ask me. So, yeah, uh, and Netflix sees this, and they're sort of like spacing out the... uh, the drops, like the first four episodes of season five are dropping this Wednesday and then they're doing like another four episodes and then they're doing the finale uh, at the end of January if I'm not mistaken. And they actually uh, did the Great British Baking Show also weekly. They were doing sort of the same day drops as the UK. So. Okay, but there's like a zillion things on Netflix and like things get taken down and everything else and it's like I... I don't know. It's like, I think I've said on this podcast that I haven't had a Netflix account in like a year and a half. I like had to borrow my dad's account to watch Stranger Things season four. But it's like, there's nothing on there that appeals to me on Netflix. I'm sorry. There isn't. I get you. I mean, it seems like there are things that are on Netflix and they're quickly off Netflix. Like, um, I, want, I, I don't remember what the movie was, but it was, like, in theaters for, like, a week before it was on Netflix. 
Well, isn't I the whole thing controversy with that Knives Out sequel is like Glass only... Onion? By, by the yeah. way, Glass Onion, awesome. Yeah, but they only put it in theaters for a week, and then it's like, okay, it's on Netflix. But it's like, Knives Out did how much money at the box office? And, like, you couldn't, like, have Knives Out in theaters for, like, a month or two months and make some money off of that in theaters? I don't understand what they're doing with this. Yeah, I mean, you look at Knives Out, the original, made three hundred twelve million dollars you know how much glass onion made how much did it make 15 million okay that's not bad but it's like in a, could you, in a week could you imagine how much money that would have done like it would have easily made like maybe 150 million probably let's move on from netflix and talk about well warner brothers merch with discovery to form Warner Brothers Discovery. And boy, did they use that to meddle with HBO Max this year. You want to talk about going over like a wet fart? Okay, so some of the most popular shows on HBO Max. Legendary. F-Boy Island. <laughs> F-Boy Island. They're both gone. Not only have they been canceled, they are pulling it off the streamer physically because David Zaslav has to find $3 billion somewhere, and apparently he's taking off these really big, really uh, expensive-to-produce TV shows in order to do it, hence the cancellation of Westworld. Now, we'll get to that momentarily, but on the other side, you have House of the Dragon, which oh, makes that, a boatload oh, of money. An assload of money, House of the Dragon. And, and we'll get to that momentarily. But then, Chico, they cancel the Batgirl movie. And it was finished. It the was Batgirl finished. The movie was finished. Yeah. Well, that's into a whole nother issue with all the... Uh, things going on at DC for the last year. No, don't even get me started. Oh yeah, don't Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, remember Wonder Woman 3? That's done. That's done. Black Adam 2? That's done. That's done. James Gunn is like, "No, enough with this crap. We're going to make it right this time." James, you better be right. You better be right, James. That's all I'm going to say. Let's move on. Oh, because we haven't had enough of discussing horrible people in 2022. After his disastrous stint with the Jacksonville Jaguars, Fox decided we're going to hire noted upstanding individual Urban Meyer back to our college football coverage. To which I ask, why? Why would anyone want to hear Urban Meyer talk about anything after how he imploded in Jacksonville? Why? Why would anybody give Urban Meyer any sort of contract when he has a history of bailing on those places after four or five years? Honestly, I really think in the next probably two to three years, 
he's going to end up at like USC or UCLA or someplace like that. Oh, definitely UCLA, but probably not USC since Lincoln Riley is doing very well there after the first year at least. Well, well, my main point is he's not going to be at Fox very long because he can't stay at a place more than probably about five years. Oh, yeah, definitely. But it's like, oh, why would anyone want to listen to Urban Meyer? But it's Fox. That's not even the worst thing about college football coverage in 2022. Okay, ESPN during college football games decided we're going to break into college football so we can show the college football viewers what they really want to see. And that's Aaron Judge trying to pursue Roger Maris's American League home run record with split screens. And I'm like, if I'm a University of Alabama fan in Tuscaloosa, why would I give two craps about Aaron Judge going for this record, which isn't even the real home run record? It's the American League home run record. Oh, I know why. It's because it's a Yankees record. That's why. And the thing of it is, you know what? It would be totally understandable if they did it like when he was actually in the sort of process of breaking the record. But it seems like they've been doing it not once, not twice, but at least six times. Yeah, and it's usually like, it would be like, oh, we're going to show this at bat. Oh, he popped up the shortstop. You just wasted everyone's time. Like, if he actually hit a home run, why don't you just cut away and just have like a Sports Center update showing it, and then that's it. You don't have to show the hole at bat during a college football game. And I have the, I actually have the stats here. Uh, courtesy of YouTube user The Transfer Portal CFB. In the course of all of the college football games, while Aaron Judge was trying to break the American League record, he went one for seven with five Ks. Pathetic. Can I give a possible devil's advocate point of view? Okay. So, yeah, he was going for the AL record. But if you look at everybody else who uh, obviously was in the NL, who has more home runs, they all played during the steroid era. You're talking Sammy Sosa. Yeah, I and know. McGuire and I Barry know, Bonds. but I know. Okay, but it's I, I, not just, the real I'm record, some though. Specific, uh, but, uh, well, but the thing is, if you're a purist, yeah, it sort of is because mm, Roger Maris no. isn't rated up and Judge isn't rated up. I'm I'm just putting that out there. I saying, know, but even if it, that's the case, why would a college football fan care? Well, no, that's a very valid point. I, I totally get that. If I'm, let's say, a fan of the University of Michigan, why would I care about Aaron Judge breaking this record? And it's interrupting my game. If I were in Clemson, and I knew for a fact that I was at least in the running, for the college football playoff, and I am watching that, why would I give two rats patoots over Aaron Judge? Now, me, being a fan of North Carolina football, I would much rather see Aaron Judge's record, but hey, 
Carolina Tar Heels did pretty damn good this year. You know, how many channels does ESPN have? And they couldn't have just moved that to ESPN News or any of the other networks they own. Just, just saying, there's an idea. Okay, if you want to see this, go to ESPN2 or, or, or ESPN News or ESPNU. Just doesn't make any sense. Don't break into the good games on ESPN, the mothership. All right, now let's move on to, well, finally, someone horrible got removed as CEO of a company that justifiably deserved it. And we're talking about Bob Paycheck. But yeah, he got fired as CEO and Bob Iger's back after like a two year absence. And really, he didn't do a good job as CEO, Chico. No, he did not do a good job. Remember Bob Chapek came in? He he came in from the Parks Division to, you know, take over the whole of Disney. And this was about the same time where they decided... And, by the way, Defunct Land has a really good video about this. That they were just going to just overhaul the whole Fast Pass system into um, Disney Genie, and that was going over. I hate to say this again, except where I don't. Wet fart. Yeah. If I were of a conspiratory mind, I would have assumed that Bob Iger saw what was going on in the beginning of the pandemic and said, you know what? I'm out. Bob Chapek, it's all yours. Gave him enough rope to hang himself, and then when everything was semi-quasi sort of back to normal, Bob Iger, prodigal son, returns to save the day. Yeah. Although he hasn't really saved the day yet, has he? No, but give him time. All right, now let's get into... Now, I know nothing about this. NBC canceling Million Dollar Island. So can someone tell me what Million Dollar Island is about? All right. So Million Dollar Island sees 100 people on a deserted island competing for a million dollars. The Islanders compete for wristbands that are worth $10,000 each. And we'll try to, you know, eliminate as many people as need be until the end game where one or many people will win their share of $1 million. NBC ordered this in March. By July, it was gone. Uh-oh! Yeah, and shocker, you know what was the culprit? The budget. No! Yeah. The show as greenlit would have seen 100 contestants compete over 50 days for the chance to win their share of a million dollars. It is from the same people who gave us The Circle and Undercover Boss. Okay, I got a question. Which show that has million dollar in it would you rather watch? Million Dollar Island or Million Dollar Mile? I would have rather watched Million Dollar Island, actually. Mike, Can I, I just vote for neither and move. Can yes, I just vote for neither and move on. Okay, good. Yes, neither. You should watch neither. That's the only right answer. 
I want to talk about, well, Wednesday was such a success. Let's talk about the total opposite of that. The Rob Zombie Monsters movie. Now, I got to be honest. I didn't see the movie. I don't even know if the movie's come out. But I saw the trailer for this on YouTube, like everybody. And dear God, this looked like the cheapest piece of crap ever. This made Mockingbird Lane look good. Damn. Yeah, I went there. Yes, you did. And by the way, you can watch it right now on Netflix. The Rob Zombie Monsters movie? The Rob Zombie Monsters movie. Oh, it was well, released September 27th on Netflix. Oh, geez. Now I got to have another excuse to borrow my dad's Netflix account. Nah, I suggest you do what I do. If you got Cozy TV, they show the Monsters for like three or four hours every Sunday. Watch the original Monsters. And basically anything after the Monsters today, just don't watch it. Put it in the back of your mind. Watch the original. Watch Monsters Today as corny as that was. But, you know, Mockingbird Lane and this Rob Zombie Monsters movie. I saw the trailer as well. No, absolutely not. Here's the log line for it. Lily is a typical 150-year-old lovelorn vampire who's looking for the man of her nightmares until she lays her eyes on Herman. A seven-foot-tall green experiment with a heart of gold. It's love at first shock as these two ghouls ball fangs over feet for each other in a Transylvanian romance. Unfortunately, it's not all smooth sailing in the cemetery as Lily's father has other plans for his beloved daughter's future, and they don't involve her new bumbling bow. <laughs> oh, God. So, yeah, kind of. It, it's one of those things that it kind of sort of follows the uh, monster legacy, kind of, sort of. But there's literally no heart to it. No. And you know what? You know who they get to play Lily Munster? Who? Sherry Moon Zombie. Oh, gee. What a surprise. Rob Zombie cast his wife in this. Yeah, give me Yvonne DiCarlo any day of the week. No. But check, you know, most of the names of this movie are very uh, recognizable, at least to Greg and myself. Jorge Garcia was in it. Sylvester McCoy was in it. What? Sylvester McCoy was in it. The Seventh Doctor was in it. The Seventh Doctor was in it. Catherine Schell. I want to know, who who, who did he play? Who did Sylvester McCoy play? Who did Sylvester McCoy play? Sylvester McCoy played Igor, the Count's servant, later turned into a bat by him. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense if you've ever seen Sylvester McCoy. Yeah, he'd be a total Igor. Yeah. By the way, the Count, Lily's father, played by Daniel Roebuck, a.k.a. Grandpa Munster. And uh, also in this, Catherine Schell, a Romani woman who is the Count's ex-wife, you would probably know her best as Maya from Season 2 of Space 1999. And then there's Cassandra Peterson as Barbara Carr, a real estate agent who leads the Munsters to their home in Mockingbird Heights. No! No, Cassandra Peterson. Now, we know who that is. We've talked I, about oh, her in the yeah. past. If you know, you know. Elvira. In a cameo voice role as the Tin Can Man, Butch Patrick. No! Oh, no come on. 
No, come on! No! Hey, I wish I was joking, I'm not. And as the Transylvania Airlines announcer, Pat Priest! No! Okay, that's it. I'm done. No! Don't! You're s*** on your legacy! No! No! And if you don't know who Pat Priest was, she was Marilyn Munster, the second one, I believe. There were two Marilyn Munsters? Yeah, there was one for like the first half a season, and I don't know what happened to her, but Pat Priest was uh, the second Marilyn Munster from like halfway through season one through the end of season two through the rest of the run. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. So let's move on. And well, you talked about CNN Plus being a disaster. Well, to close this out, CNN canceled all live programming on HLN. Oh. This saddens me because I remember the days of CNN headline news and how it would be like news like all the time and now they're airing reruns of the West Wing. What has happened to this channel? It's a channel that doesn't know what it wants to be all of a sudden. I remember in the 80s and 90s, it totally knew what it wanted to be. It wanted to be round-the-clock news 24 hours a day. And then somewhere in the mid-90s, they decided, hey, you know what would be pretty cool? You know what would be wild? Oh, I know what would be wild. If we put TV shows, actual TV shows, not news shows, but actual TV shows in prime time, it was never the same since. Once they gave Nancy Grace a show, it went all downhill from there. But, oh, someone, give Robin Mead a job. Please, we beg you. Somebody. Anybody. Yeah, she got the shaft. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the TV stories of 2022. And, hey, Futurama is back on Hulu with Blackjack and Hookers. Again? Again. Actually, again, again. Because remember Comedy Central revived it like 10 years ago? Yep. So yeah, Futurama, back on Hulu. Great. Yeah, that's expected to drop in 2023. So, something to look forward to there. All right, well... After what seemed like 50 years, DIY finally became the Magnolia Network. And that is the uh, the network from Chip and Joanna Gaines, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Correct. Yes. Yeah. So. Is they're still together? Yeah. Huh. And the Good network's still up, so that's great. Good for them. Good for them. And speaking of Warner Brothers Discovery, we alluded to it earlier. House of the Dragon, the spinoff of Game of Thrones, the prequel series, set a record for the most watched premiere in the history of HBO. 10 million viewers, which really, when you think about it, 10 million viewers, not a lot. But in like cable terms, that's like the equivalent of like 100 million viewers. In pay cable terms. Yeah, in pay cable. But that was like a big show. It was like the big deal. Like, yeah, 
Game of Thrones, it's back with House of the Dragon and Matt Smith coming off that weird, stupid dance he did in Morbius. And Chico's doing the Matt Smith dance from Morbius. No, I'm doing the Matt Smith dance from Doctor Who. I, I think that's just Matt Smith's go-to dance. Maybe that's the, the way Matt Smith dances. So, yes. <laughs> Matt Smith. Great actor. Not a dancer. Not a good dancer, Matt Smith. We didn't get to talk about it in the live recording of the year in review, but I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the Amazon Prime series of The Lord of the Rings, which garnered a ton of hype and has already been renewed for a second season. So I haven't watched the new Lord of the Rings series, but I've heard some good things about it. So I guess I'll give it a watch eventually sometime. Now let's get into one of the big things in sports television this year, and that was Thursday Night Football now officially becoming exclusive to Prime Video. And not only did it become exclusive to Prime Video, they got Al Michaels to jump from NBC to Prime to be the lead play-by-play guy on Thursday Night Football. And not only did they get Al Michaels, they got Kirk Herbstreet from ESPN College Football to be the color commentator. And that was wild. I'm like, what? Kirk Herbstreet calling NFL football? What? Hey, he does a really good job of it. And the thing of it is, not only did they get Al Michaels, not only did they get Kirk Herbstreet, but hosting their studio show, or I guess you could call it their studio show, Carissa Thompson. Yeah. And they got, like, a good series of analysts. They got Richard Sherman, and they got Fitzmagic. They have A-level talent at Prime Video for Thursday Night Football. You know, NFL Network wishes they had this sort of talent for Thursday Night Football. Yeah, that's why their game sucked for so many years. But, okay, here's the problem, though, with Thursday Night Football. A lot of the games sucked. We're actually going to talk about one of those games next year. Oh, yes, we're going to be talking next year about the Indianapolis-Denver Thursday Night Football game. And knowing what we know now, we probably should have seen that result coming. Oh, yes. Considering we saw, what was it? Freaking Frank Reich and uh, Nathaniel Hackett. Now they're both out of a job. And Matt Ryan and Russell Wilson playing a game of football and not doing it well. Oh, that'll be so fun to talk about next year. Speaking of deals with streaming platforms, Major League Baseball which deals with Apple TV Plus and Peacock. Apple TV Plus did Friday Night Baseball, and Peacock did the Sunday morning game at 11, 11.30. And I got to say, Apple TV Plus, not really, I think, I don't think they did a good job with Friday Night Baseball, to be quite honest. Well, I picked up Apple TV Plus uh, after the season. I won't know until uh, the springtime. Okay. Well, I don't know if they're going to be doing it again. Because I think it was like for a one-year contract. So I don't know if they're going to be renewing their deal with Apple, if they have renewed it or not. So I don't know. But Peacock, I kind of liked the fact that we had NBC back in baseball for the first time since about 2000. 
And I like how in Peacock they kind of revived the thing for the baseball network of having like local announcers because they have Jason Benetti who does the announcing for the White Sox be the main play-by-play guy for the broadcast. But around him, they got like, depending on who is playing in the game, they have like two analysts, like usually one from each team with him for the game, which I kind of like that idea. I kind of like that approach, how you have kind of a local flavor for both teams involved in the game. It kind of makes it a nice, unique broadcast. I will say I was not a big fan of the Peacock model just because if you were in a local area and wanted to see your game, you'd have to shell out $4.99 to see it. You'd have to get a month's subscription. I didn't like that part, especially since, at least with uh, my local provider, uh, my regional network that shows Guardians games, those are like the only games they didn't show and. I, I didn't like that. I'm sorry. Maybe it's me being a cheapskate, but there could have been some sort of deal reached, sort of like with the Amazon Prime uh, for, for their Thursday night games where they say to a local station, oh, we'll give you the rights. It'll cost you blank hundreds of thousands of dollars or whatever else. Well, you're not a guy who hates money like me. But you know who hates money? ESPN, because they gave... Troy Aikman, and not only did they give Troy Aikman a lot of money to leave Fox Sports, but they got Joe Buck to leave Fox Sports for ESPN to call Monday Night Football. And I got to say, Troy Aikman, I could understand, I could see coming, but I never thought in a million years they'd get Joe Buck to join him. Well, they're a package deal, so. Yeah. Because they've been calling games together for 20 years. But I never thought in a million years Joe Buck would ever leave Fox Sports for ESPN. But it happened. You go where the money is, my friend. Yeah. You go where the money is. And I got to say. Money talks. Yeah. And I got to say, Monday Night Football, I got to be honest, a lot better broadcast than previous years. And no disrespect to, like, Sean McDonough. Uh, Joe Tessitore and Steve Levy, but those are not like A-level announcers to do Monday Night Football. They're like college football guys, mainly. Yeah, I'm thinking to myself, those are three guys that normally would not be in the same room together calling the same game, and they didn't, I mean, they went together, but they didn't blow together. You could definitely tell Joe Buck and Troy Aikman they flow together. They play off each other. They make that broadcast even better than before. All right, but now let's get into another major sports story in 2022. The Big Ten Conference signed a mega deal with CBS, NBC, and Fox. And not only did they sign a mega deal starting next year, and they also added to expand in 2024. USC and UCLA to form a mega super conference. I'm still scratching my head over that. I mean, why would uh, UCLA and USC jump from the uh, Pac-12 to the Big Ten? They're not even in, like, the same time zone. Money! Yeah, look at what me and Greg are doing. We're, 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 yeah, it's all about the money. Yeah, a lot of money. And speaking of TV deals, the new XFL 
run by The Rock, signed a deal with Disney to have their TV rights on ABC, ESPN, and FX. And, well, I'm going to give this a shot, but you know what? I got to be honest with you. Kind of don't like the fact that they didn't give teams to New York and L.A., but they decided, hey, Texas, you're going to get three teams for some reason out of the eight. Don't understand that at all. I got a possible explanation. Why? Well, remember, in Texas, football is like a religion on Fridays and Saturdays. I I get that, but it's like... It really. No, I get what you're saying. I, I totally get what you're saying. It makes it feel minor league if you give it to like San Antonio and friggin'. Now I don't even think they're called Dallas. The Dallas franchise is now the Arlington franchise. I think they're the what was the Dallas Roughnecks. They're now the Arlington Roughnecks or something like that. They're called the Arlington Renegades. Oh, they were the Dallas Renegades. Now they're the Arlington Renegades. You're thinking of the Houston Roughnecks. Oh, that's what I was thinking of. Whatever, Houston, Dallas, it's all Texas. You're not going to see the Harlingen Roughnecks because the name just does not ring. No. We're the El Paso Roughnecks. Now let's talk about something related to Wheel of Fortune in 2022. Three names. Lisa Kramer, Mark Bear, and Brie Okoichi. And do not say who are three people who have never been in my kitchen. Okay, can you explain this to everybody? <laughs> Mike's muted, but he's like, damn it. Exactly. <laughs> okay, so... One night in February, I want to say it was February 7th, Lisa Kramer won $100,000 on Wheel of Fortune. By itself, pretty good. But the next night, Mark Bayer won $100,000 on Wheel of Fortune. Which, you know, is pretty good again. By itself, pretty good. But taken with what happened uh, the night before. Incredible. Then the following night, Bria Koichi won $100,000 a Wheel of Fortune. So, if you're keeping score at home, that is three people, three nights in a row, three $100,000 winners. And, and Jim Thornton was just like, you know, give Jim Thornton all the credit in the world. He is professional. Oh, professional. But he was just like, I can't believe this either. And Pat Sajak, you know, he was quick to shut down conspiracy theorists on Twitter. But conspiracy theorists are going to conspiracy theorize on Twitter because Twitter. But for his part, Pat Sajak did say... A quick reminder to conspiracy theorists, thanks to the quiz show scandals of the 1950s, fixing a TV game show is a federal crime. I really like our players, and I like them all to win, but I draw the line at serving prison time. So there you go. There you go. All right. Well, remember when Daredevil, Jessica Jones, and all the other Netflix shows that were from Marvel got canceled like a couple years ago? Mm Mm-hmm. 
they all moved to Disney Plus this year. Yep. So you could watch all the old shows to your heart's content now on Disney Plus. But okay, the key thing is, Chico, on Disney Plus, instead of being in the Marvel Legacy section on the Marvel page on Disney Plus, they all got rebranded as the Defenders Saga. Well, technically, that's what they were. I mean, there were the Defenders Saga on Netflix. I understand that. But I find it very funny that they made it its own section, considering Daredevil is now in the MCU. They are reviving Daredevil with uh, Charlie Cox and Vincent D'Onofrio. And this is after Daredevil appeared in the uh, visage of Matt Murdock in... Spider-Man No Way Home. Yeah, I was about to say, I know it wasn't Envy. It was No Way Home, yeah. Yeah, because he was uh, Peter's attorney. But we'll also talk about Matt Murdock later on. But you know what else was on Disney Plus this year? Oh, that's right, Dancing with the Stars. Mm Mm-hmm. Moved from ABC to Disney Plus, and we get to see all of the stuff that they do during the commercial breaks as it happens. And... I thought this was actually quite brilliant the way they did this. Um, We see all of the uh, troop performances during the commercial breaks, but at the same time, it's like everybody got to see the show at the same time. Everybody got to vote in real time at the same time. This was perhaps the most fair, the most equitable way of doing it. When you look at the cast list from this past season, you know, given the benefit of hindsight, I get it. It's like a bunch of streaming stars, a bunch of uh, YouTube stars, a bunch of TikTok stars, and Wayne Brady. In retrospect, I get it. They're playing to the audience that they've been given. The only thing that I still have a problem with, and you probably would have the same problem that I had if you were a fan of Dancing with the Stars, Why the hell is Tyra Banks still there? Alfonso Ribeiro has more hosting chops in his whole body than Tyra Banks has in her little finger. Yeah. Well, that's all we got to say about that. Okay, now let's talk about two late-night departures in 2023 upcoming. Well, one's already left. One's about to leave next year. But the first we got to talk about is James Corden is leaving the Late Late Show next year. Is it one of those, it's just time sort of situations? Yeah, that's what I get a sense. It's like, well, it's been like, what, nine years? That'll be nine years. Wow. Feels like he only started, like, yesterday. Yeah. But, of course, uh, this was not James Corden's year, if you remember, because he was at a restaurant, and apparently he was a... A bit of a do-you-know-who-my-father-is-sort-of-thing. But also, Trevor Noah surprisingly announced he's leaving The Daily Show. And really, it's like, compared to Jon Stewart, it's like, I don't know if The Daily Show gig is, like, that important now. I'll tell you how important it is. They're getting a bunch of guest hosts. Okay. Before well, they can name a permanent host. Okay. Mike, you have a comment? Yeah. Um, if you take a look at Comedy Central's schedule, 
it seems more often than not they program something at the 11 o'clock hour that's not the daily show and i know they do that during holidays they, they've done that for years for decades it seems but it seems like the daily show just is almost like an occasional thing like okay here's maybe four weeks of the daily show then it takes like two or three weeks off and then it comes back for another like couple of weeks and it doesn't have that longevity that the daily show used to have are the ratings going down do they find that south park reruns or reno 911 reruns do better than the daily show i'm mean, obviously they're a little more cost effective because it's not a daily show it's not expensive they're reruns i think it's basically just the end the end is near for that show and it's been on the air for what 25 years at least so maybe just like everything in tv maybe it's cyclical it's time for it to go and maybe in five years if they somehow reboot it and get the type of uh, talent that they had on the first like 10 15 years if they get the stephen uh, colbert's and the uh, steve carell's and the samantha bees yeah maybe it'll be another thing that you want to watch but it doesn't even do much for me anymore, to be honest. All right, Chico. Well, here's the thing. And you're right, Mike. It's been on the air for 25 years. Well, actually 26, because it uh, premiered in the summer of 96. But here's the thing. If you're like the age of people who grew up on The Daily Show, saw it sort of like as a daily version of SNL's Weekend Update, which it started off life as, you're not really watching it live. You're watching it the next day on Paramount+. Plus. I know the Daily Show sort of like changes with the times, as is, you know, it's a lot in life. But I I don't think uh, the audience was quick to adapt to Trevor Noah as host of the Daily Show as they were to Jon Stewart. I know I didn't bother with the Daily Show when he was hosting after, like, maybe... 2016 but you know what to be honest we all know what happened after 2016 so it felt like i don't know maybe a comedy show making fun of the news isn't really that important considering it seems like the news itself is a comedy something like that yeah you almost looked at the headlines and thought this is an onion headline except where it wasn't an Onion headline. And I could say the same thing about The Onion, too. It's like, I don't think I've read The Onion since probably 2016. Because it's like, yeah, this is really passe now. Well, I think The Onion right now is really sort of like in a rerun state. There's like really no new content. Plus also... Like you said, the Onion's heyday, that would have been like 15 years ago, 20 years ago, when the internet was a new thing. I mean, I still read the Onion every now and then, but it it isn't the way it was back in 2000, 2005. You had books being written. You had the actual tangible version being printed. You had the Onion movie. I think the Onion movie's hilarious if you've never seen it. Never reruns anywhere. Good luck trying to find it. But yeah, it just seems like the Onion is 
gone stale, if you will. Yeah, remember when they used to like rerun that every month on Comedy Central, like on Saturday afternoons? Oh no, it was G four. That's the place I saw it. The oh, oh. going back to G four. The original G four is where I saw it. I never saw it on Comedy Central. All right. Well, let's get talking about Doctor Who, where next year they're going to have their 60th anniversary special. And, well, they cast a new actor as the Doctor. Yes. Okay, you're going to... Hold on, Chico, you're going to have to pronounce this name. I got this. I got this. I I will butcher the hell out of this name. I got you, buddy. I got you. All right, what is the name? Kuti Gatwa. Not only the first black actor to play the Doctor, well, second if you count Joe Martin, obviously, but also the first queer actor to play the Doctor. Oh, okay. And I'll tell you right now, I can't wait for this. I cannot wait for the 60th anniversary special, and I cannot wait to see where they take the 15th Doctor. Because remember... He's not the 14th Doctor. Jodie Whittaker's still the 13th Doctor. But the 14th Doctor is... David Tennant. Now I'm going to have to pull a uh, freaking Grover Cleveland on here. He's still the 10th Doctor to me. <laughs> and Mike's, Mike's giggling because he, he pulled out the Grover Cleveland reference. Because as yeah, I've established on this podcast... Say it, Mike. I was hoping you're going to say like the extent of uh, Mr. Gatwa is going to be the 14th occupant of the TARDIS. Yes, he is the 14th. No, 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 no. Technically, he'd still be the 15th because if you count John Hurt. No, he would be the 16th because Joe Martin. I don't understand anything <laughs> about the continuity of the Doctor's numbers you know anymore. Uh, you know what? And was it Russell T. Davies returning to the show? He's like, screw continuity. The the main point that I, I was trying to make, and Greg saw it, is yeah, the whole Grover Cleveland thing where Mr. Black is the forty fourth occupant of the White House. So whatever occupant number of the TARDIS he is, you get the reference. Yes. But, but okay, oh, hold on. Not only is David Tennant coming back for the 60th anniversary, Catherine Tate's coming back for the 60th anniversary. That is dangerous. That is dangerous. Oh, yeah, because if she sees the doctor, she's going to blow up. Her brain's going to explode. Her brain's going to explode all over the place. This is going to be an interesting watch. And another interesting watch, Neil Patrick Harris on Doctor Who. Oh, yeah, because he's the villain in the 60th anniversary special. But we don't know who he's playing in the 60th anniversary special. Because, obviously, obviously he's not going to be the master, because that would be stupid. We've already had an American as the master. We've done that before. Yeah, we already did that with Eric Roberts. So, who would he be playing in the 60th anniversary? Well, I guess we're going to have to find out in November of 2023. Yep. But you know where you can watch on streaming? The Doctor Who 60th Anniversary Special. Well, if you're in the UK, you can watch it on BBC iPlayer, obviously. Yes, but in the US. But in the gonna, US... You're going to watch it on Disney+. Plus. Yeah! If, you need, hey, if Hawkeye and Daredevil and the Gummy Bears were not reason enough to get a Disney Plus subscription, 
if the Mandalorian coming back for season three in 2023 doesn't do it for you. Oh, you got Doctor Who. You got Doctor Who, buddy. But not only that, but you can tell now that they're on Disney Plus. If you watch the trailer for the 60th anniversary special, the budget is very, very big. You can instantly tell that. It's a long way from the freaking 1980s when they, whenever you would watch like a rerun of like a Peter Davison episode, how the set looked like it was made of cardboard. Set is not made of cardboard anymore, my friends. Oh, thank God. But okay, let's talk about some big departures this year at Saturday Night Live. And I have five long-running cast members. Pete Davidson, A.D. Bryant, Kate McKinnon, Kyle Mooney, and more recently, Cicely Strong, all left the show. This is going to be one of those uh, seasons in transition, I want to say. We all remember what happened in 1980 and 1985 and 1995. It was sort of stilted. Saturday Night Live was basically stilted, especially in 1995. They were ready to call it Saturday Night Dead. And that's when the rise of bad TV happened. But then it sort of kind of found its voice with uh, castmates like Jim Brewer and Daryl Hammond and uh, Tracy Morgan and Sherry O'Terry, Molly Shannon, Anna Gasteyer, all of them. Will Ferrell, don't forget Will, Will Ferrell. Ferrell. Oh, yep. of course. Yeah. So, yeah. We'll be approaching the 50th anniversary in a couple of years, and we'll see what happens when we get to that. But okay. Something related to TV. Can you believe that in the fourth season of Stranger Things, we had hitting the pop charts? A song that was 35 years old and it went back to number one and that was Kate Bush's running up that hill in the fourth season of Stranger Things specifically playing a big role in the fourth episode of season four of Stranger Things yeah that song that particular song because remember Stranger Things took place in the mid 80s but that was sort of the uh, song used by Max to summon the Vecna. And all sorts of hilarity ensued when the Vecna showed up. Well, that's kind of nuts how this song that probably everyone forgot about is featured on the show. And now all of a sudden, it's back on the pop charts. That tells you the power this show had on the pop culture zeitgeist this year. But speaking of Stranger Things, the Duffer Brothers, because as we know, season five is going to be the last season of Stranger Things. Netflix is smart and being like, well, we don't have anything else other than like Squid Game and Wednesday. Hey, Duffer Brothers, let's lock you up and give you your own production company and you can make a spinoff series for us. And they're like, cool. So yeah, they've launched Upside Down Pictures. And they'll be working on a spinoff series for Stranger Things, which is smart of Netflix, because that's going to have them locked down 
and that's going to continue that franchise for Netflix. And thank God that they're taking their time with Stranger Things. We don't want this to end up like uh, Game of Thrones, where they just threw something together and said, that's it. That's the ending. But you know what? Let's be fair to Game of Thrones. Everyone's loving House of the Dragon right now. Oh, everybody loves House of the Dragon. Let's talk about a very serious story. And really, like, one of the unexpected, like, stories was basically how Vladimir Zelensky, the president of Ukraine, became, like, this inspirational leader. And think about this. With the war in Ukraine, this guy was a comedian. And now... He's become like the modern day Winston Churchill in a time where we need like a big hero in the world right now. Yeah, you have the president of Ukraine, this big media figure, Vladimir Zelensky, and he's almost become sort of like a folk hero all of a sudden. Yeah, and to the point where U.S. Netflix actually put his show that propelled him to the presidency of Ukraine, servant of the people, on during the first month of the war in Ukraine. And it got, like, big numbers, which is very nuts. And I don't know if you've seen it, but, you know, David Letterman's show, My Next Guest, the episode he did with Zelensky, that is now up on the, um, the show's YouTube channel, or one of the Netflix YouTube channels now. I highly suggest you watch it. It's very good. Very good, indeed. Okay, but now let's get into a show that made the move to streaming. Days of Our Lives went from NBC to Peacock. And it was on NBC for a long time. Oh, yes, a long time. But I think that tells you what's happened with soaps. Like, I think it's now, what, like three soaps on TV now? It's now General Hospital on ABC, uh, Young and the Restless, Bold and Beautiful on CBS. And that's it. Because remember, Days of Our Lives was NBC's last soap. Now it's on streaming. Because it seems like streaming is now the place to go to when you want to catch up on your soaps, on your stories, as it were. Because we've moved past the point where we're recording it during the daytime, coming home at night, and watching it. Now you get to watch it whatever, wherever. Uh, the people at The Bay who produced The Bay knows this. Now the people that produced Days of Our Lives know it. And soon, the people who produced Neighbors will know it. Yes, because... All right. Let's get into this. Amazon, they rebranded IMDb TV as Freebie. Yeah. And let's be honest. IMDb TV, stupid name. Freebie, much better. It flows better. It flows better. But, okay, here's the reason why we're bringing up Freebie. They brought back Neighbors from the Dead. Yeah, we were going to talk about Neighbors as the shows that we lost in 2022, but guess what? Freebie said, we're bringing it back, baby. I guess it's true what they say. If you find the perfect blend, good neighbors become... Good friends. Yes. You you said they're bringing neighbors back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does it include 
Australian blackjack and hookers. If only there was a soundbite of Chris Hemsworth saying with blackjack and hookers. If Chris Hemsworth is listening, can you make this happen for us? Yes. Okay, let's talk. Any of the Hemsworth siblings are listening. Can you make this? Yeah, Liam or that one guy who played uh, Dennis Erickson on Young Rock. Luke Hemsworth, Liam Hemsworth. I'm sure there's another Hemsworth out there. But now let's get into one of our favorite punching bags. I know we have a lot of favorite punching bags, but next door, they bought the CW. They bought enough shares in the CW to have a majority stake. They have 75% of the CW. Uh, Paramount and Warner Brothers Discovery each retain uh, 12.5%. So basically, you're looking at the CW, 87.5% of it is going to be absolute garbage. Yeah. 12.5% that is owned by Paramount, that's going to be good. The rest of it, garbage. Garbage. Get lost. But okay, let's get into one of the weirdest things I thought in 2022. But you know what? It's kind of cool. Ted Lasso, a character that started out as like a throwaway joke in a series of commercials for NBC Sports Network, gets his own show on. Apple TV Plus, it becomes a big hit. And it's become such a big hit that him and his fictionalized team, AFC Richmond, are in FIFA 23. That's the power of Ted Lasso, and that's the power of Apple TV Plus. Yeah. Who would have thought that one day you'd play a soccer game, and on the sidelines you'd see a digitized version of Jason Sudeikis? Never would have dreamed. Never would have dreamed. But hey, it works. It works. And we got one departure coming up in 2023, and this was big news. Jim Nance announced he's leaving CBS's NCAA basketball tournament coverage at the end of the season. A mainstay of the NCAA basketball tournament going back to 1991 was his first year as play-by-play guy because that was right after Brent Musburger got fired, and he's been the play-by-play guy for the tournament ever since. So they've already announced a successor following the end of the season. Ian Eagle will be the uh, new main broadcaster for the tournament. So and Good for him. Good for him. He deserves it. Good for Ian. And, of course, we know his son Noah does a great job every year with the uh, CBS Nickelodeon game. Yep, and you know who else does a really good job? Nate Burleson, Gabrielle DeVay-Green, and uh, the sideline reporter, uh, Dylan Schefter. Yeah, but Dylan wasn't on uh, the Christmas Day game for some reason that just yes, happened. Yes, she was. No, he wasn't. She was uh, presenting the... Um... No, young Dylan wasn't there. Oh, you're thinking no, of the other d- person. not young Dylan. Oh, Dylan Schefter. Oh, okay. Adam's Uber. daughter. The of Okay. I'm sorry. Oh, Adam's daughter. Adam's okay. daughter. I didn't know Adam Schefter had a daughter. Adam Schefter has a daughter. I did not know this. This is news to me. Today I learned Adam Schefter has a daughter. All right. And she's the sideline reporter for Nickelodeon. Well, maybe she we'll... She out the MVP. 
Yes, she handed out the MVP award to Baker Mayfield. Mike, can you believe this? You missed out on an MVP award winner. So did I. I saw the game. What are you talking about? <laughs> I know, but you you could have had an MVP award winner on your team this year. So did I, if you think about it. I'm just going to stay quiet. I don't want to rile up anything. Well, you know what? I'll be honest. To make you guys happy, you know who sure as hell will never be an MVP award winner? Zach Wilson. Well, wait a minute. Only if PFT rigs the vote. Then... <laughs> They- yeah, never say never there. That's like bringing up the Vecna. Do, do not bring up the name of B- of PFT commenter. Unless you want some shenanigans to happen. Hilarity will ensue when you invoke PFT's name. Well, I did meet Big Cat this year. But let's talk about a big monumental event. Ash finally won the Pokemon World Championship. Yep. It only took him 25 years and 1,200 episodes to do it, but he finally did it. And now, in 2023, he's going to walk away from it. He's retiring. He's going to go out the top of his game. He's like, I've won the Pokemon Championship. There's nothing left for me. Yes. When I set out on this journey 25 years ago, I said, I want to be the very best, like no one ever was. And now here I am. And now I'm walking away from it. You know what's amazing? Ash has magically remained 12 years old throughout the entire run of the show. That's crazy. That is nuts. That is absolutely crazy. But you know what else is nuts? Google. They took NFL Sunday ticket away from DirecTV. So starting next year, Google will be the home of NFL Sunday ticket. So you've got Sunday ticket. Um, you probably got Sunday on, ticket. Yeah, probably on YouTube TV. Oh, yeah. Because as we know, in this uh, podcast, Greg hates money. Yeah, but I don't know if I'm going to be showing money for Sunday ticket. Well, you don't. That's that's the good news. You don't have to. It's already included. Oh, okay. And of course, with the uh, deal to get uh, Sunday ticket from Directv, this of course means the end of Andrew Siciliano and the Directv Red Zone channel. And let's from- be honest, the Red Zone channel it sucks compared to the Scott Hansen version. Let's be quite honest. Everyone knows Scott Hansen is the real reason you watch Red Zone. Scott Hansen is Mr. Red Zone, and I'll tell you right now, he's a nice guy, too. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Scott Hansen, I can assure you, nicest guy in the business. And I got to admire the fact that he does that for seven hours and never goes to the bathroom. Respect. Respect, Scott Hansen. And I'm going to add, I also respect Scott Hansen because he signed cards for the Topps Allen and Ginter line this year. And guess what? I pulled out a Scott Hansen autograph, numbered out of 10. Red ink, baby. That's right. You'll never see an Andrew Cecilia. 
yeah, those tops out and get to rip because you'll never see an Andrew Siciliano out and get to rip cord. Yeah, no. can, can Andrew Siciliano come up with the sort of things that Scott Hansen can come up with? Because remember, 3.30, you know what he's about to say. We have reached the witching hour. The moment when wins become losses and losses become wins. Right, here's what you do one week. At 2.45... Go to all the one o'clock games and write down the scores, and then go back and write down the scores when all the one o'clock games end. That's why you call it the witching hour. So many of those games will turn and twist and turn and change, and that's the witching hour. All right, so that's the TV stories of 2022. Now it's time to talk about our favorite shows of 2022. And well, this one show is good, but I got to be quite honest. The main star of the show. I never saw him on camera. I'm talking about Peacemaker. The main character of the show never appeared on screen. What was that about? The main character is played by John Cena. That's the joke. But I gotta be honest, Eagly, one of the cutest characters of 2022. I loved Eagly. But... One thing you got to know about Eagley. Don't give him directions. Because he will mess it up. Don't. Don't bother giving Eagley directions anywhere. But a big show that premiered from the MCU on Disney Plus. Moon Knight. Yeah, I, I remember watching this show. I remember it, you know, casting a big light on things like schizophrenia and how they affect like who you are, what you're doing and now how they affect which kind of hero you plan on being. Yeah, it was a very deep show and I gotta be honest, the first half, I think I've said it on this podcast over the year, I thought the first half was like slow but then it got really good in the second half. Mm-hmm. Once they introduced the hippo in the second half, that's like, okay, I'm all in. I'm all in now that you've introduced the hippo on this show. It was almost like a, a Christmas story Christmas on HBO Max. Yes, it was very slow to start with, but once it got going, it really got going. Yes. Now next we'll talk about How I Met Your Father. Another show that started out slow, but once it got going, it really got going. Oh, yes, it did. And, of course, the continuation of How I Met Your Mother with Hilary Duff in the uh, title role. And another show favorite, Kim Cattrall is the older version of Sophie. And it got renewed for a second season. And that will drop uh, next month. Yes. Yeah, I cannot wait for that. Another show on Hulu that I really liked was The uh, Dropout. That was the Amanda Seyfried show about uh, Elizabeth Holmes and the uh, Theranos scandal. Very good, very well acted, and they had a, like, a dynamite cast for this show. Uh, let me see if I can, if you can I got find you. it. Okay. You got Amanda Seyfried, Naveen Andrews, Dylan Minnette from 13 Seasons, 13 Seasons, from 13 Reasons Why, William H. Macy. Among others. Yes. I believe Sam Waterson played um, George Schultz, the um, former Secretary of State on that show. 
Mm-hmm. He was very good in that. But yeah. But Karsh Ambatkar from Ghosts. Oh, yeah, that's right. Also from, um, was it Free Guy? He was in Free Guy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Okay, another show that premiered in 2022 on Paramount+. Plus. Oh, Halo. Yep, originally written for Showtime, but they dropped it on Paramount Plus instead. And you know what? It's very good. I got to watch it. You do have to watch it. Yes. And I'll tell you right now, season two is coming. No idea when, but it's coming. It's coming sometime in 2023. Don't worry about that. Okay, a show that you really like, Chico, is it Cake? Yes. Uh, I wouldn't think that Mikey Day could really host a game show about a viral sort of meme, but he totally nails it. And this is one of those shows that is very contestant-driven, and they got some of the best people to actually do the creative baking, and it looked pretty good. I, I won't lie. I was addicted to it. I was okay. strangely addicted to it. Okay, but I have a question. Does Pete Davidson show up and eat any of the cake? Sadly, no. Oh, that's a shame. Because I really would have liked it if he continued like that one SNL sketch where he just continually ate the cake. 2022, we visited some strange new worlds. This was the Star Trek TV show that took place after Enterprise, but before the original series, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, it's a spinoff of Discovery. Which had uh, Christopher Pike and Number One and other throwbacks to the Cage pilot. Yes. Very good series. Watch it on Paramount+. Plus. Another show, well, true crime series that I kind of liked, and it combined one of my favorite things, professional wrestling, and another one of my favorite passions, watching ridiculous true crime stories. But another thing that made this even more amazing, cats. This is dangerous breed crime cons and cats on Peacock about professional wrestler Teddy Hort, who is absolutely certifiably nuts, and he's been accused of kidnapping his girlfriend. But not only that, but he also has a ridiculous collection of cats. And he, all he does is breed cats. If there was like a Tiger King of professional wrestling, this is the Tiger King of professional wrestling. And Chico, you're like amazed by what I've described here. I'm befuddled. Yeah. But one show that I know Mike really loved in 2022, Abbott Elementary. And that that was like one of those shows that was everywhere, it seemed like. As a teacher, it is a highly relatable TV show. Highly relatable. And that's why I love it. All right. Another show that we enjoyed. And okay, let's finally do it because we didn't talk about the finale to Mike. Let's finally talk about the She-Hulk Attorney at Law finale. Oh gosh! <laughs> okay, Chico, you have to you have to refresh your memory about the finale. Okay, so the episode is called "Whose Show Is This?" 
Jen finds herself getting into trouble with the law and finds it difficult to pick up the pieces of her life. And the thing of it is, and this, it was a really good show all season long, but it seems like season, the season finale sort of betrayed the premise because it basically, you know, embraced its own sort of meta content. Oh, yes, because she confronts an entity, and you think it's Kevin Feige, the head of Marvel Studios. But no, it's Kevin, an AI robot. It's like, this is the story Kevin wants. She's like, we're not actually doing this. This can't be possible. This can't possibly be where the season's going. This is a mess. None of these storylines make any sense. Is this working for you? And she basically hulks out and loses her ever-loving mind. Where <laughs> she finally, she finally, you want to talk about meta? She ends up in the writers' room, where the writers are like, "This is the story Kevin wants." Unfortunately, though. Yeah, the story Kevin wants is basically her versus Hulk King. In order to have the story that she wants, she has to beat this guy. It's one of those things where it's like, all right, you built it all up for that. But I got to be quite honest. It was still better than the WandaVision finale. Oh. God, a blow to my head with a baseball bat would be better than the WandaVision finale. So, yeah, you know what? I, I love the series. I love Tatiana Maslany. I love Jamila Jamil. I love Emil Blonsky, but this is why, why, in, the, why in the world did they do this? Just absolutely mind-boggling. Thank you for the closure, guys. Don't mention it. It was still better closure than the Beat the Clock 80 finale. Yeah. Don't get me started on that, Greg. Move on. <laughs> All right. Well, two shows in the Star Wars universe that premiered on Disney Plus Obi Wan Kenobi and Andor. Was Obi Wan Kenobi featuring the return of Ewan McGregor as Obi Wan Kenobi? Me and Chico did all six ports of it on three live shows. You can listen to that. But also, Andor, very critically acclaimed, very good, solid storytelling in that show, Chico. Very solid stories. It's almost like, okay, we've made Star Wars shows for people who like Star Wars. Now we're going to make a Star Wars show for people who like solid storytelling. Yeah, it's basically a Star Wars show, but like a serious Star Wars show for like adults. Yeah, seems like every other Star Wars TV show has been for kids and tweens and even the Mandalorian with its cute little baby Yoda. It's like you're not going to see any toys based on anybody from the Andor show. Maybe you'll get a toy on Diego Luna's character, but that's ba- but that's it. You'll get a Funko Pop. Maybe someone wants a Funko Pop of Stellan Skarsgård's character. Maybe that, that's about it. But that's all you're getting. 
you're not going to get any sort of stuff like uh, Grogu toy. No. Andor is an intelligent show for intelligent Star Wars fans. And speaking of Star Wars, we have to talk about the documentary. Oh, Light and Magic, which is yeah. basically a documentary series about the entire history of industrial light and magic. And if you've ever enjoyed any movie that has had great special effects in the last 30, 40, 50 years. Jurassic Park comes to mind. Jurassic Park comes to mind. You need to watch this documentary because it basically is a great documentary about how ILM accomplished the things they did. So I would suggest you give that a watch on Disney+. Plus. Back into the MCU, Miss Marvel. Yeah, if you played the Avengers game on PlayStation or Xbox, it sort of kind of plays out like that. But it, then it sort of diverges and becomes its own animal midway, and the show ends up being better for it. And if you missed any of it, or if you caught all of it and want to see more of it, remember, Miss Marvel will return in the Marvels. So it's going to be Miss Marvel and Captain Marvel in the same movie. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be epic. Can't wait for that. All right. The Orville returned in 2022 with the Orville New Horizons. Remember when the Orville first uh, debuted on Fox for those uh, first couple of seasons? It was basically like a network version of Star Trek Discovery, or basically Seth MacFarlane saying, fine, I'm going to make my own Star Trek The Next Generation. With Blackjack and hookers! And then it eh, kind of disappeared on the Fox schedule, but who brought it back? And everyone was happy. It was a solid a season as ever. Uh, I really want to see where they go from this, because, again, spoilers, the sort of nature of Isaac's being comes into play, and the events of the second season finale are brought back numerous times let's just say and ultimately uh dr finn and isaac get married oh how's that gonna work Hmm. but it was one of those sort of story driven uh seasons and it was so epic a watch so it all of the episodes are either on hulu or disney plus i suggest you give it a binge well, we talked about it earlier in the summer, but Amazon Prime Video launched the new series of A League of Their Own, not the 1993 version. This was just... Uh, its own thing. Its own thing, yeah. Yeah. And it didn't make any sort of attempt to be uh, either a continuation of the movie or of the series. And I think it, it succeeds because of that, because... You have actors like Abby Jacobson and the writers. They have like really good writers and really good writing. It ends up being a very solid series. And it ends the way it should have ended. And it progresses at its own pace. It's a really good watch. I suggest you watch it. It's on Prime Video right now. Oh, speaking of shows based on 90s movies, Interview with the Vampire. Friends of mine have started watching it. They love what they're seeing, but at the same time, it's like, 
it's reinventing the wheel. I mean, you have like a bunch of new actors playing the same roles, and granted, it's more attuned to the book than the actual movie was, but yeah, uh, it's like, how do you make an entire season out of this? You have to have the patience of a saint in order to watch it. But apparently my friends do, so yeah. And that's on AMC. So Some of our shows that I particularly enjoyed, Tales from the Territories, the show from the uh, creators of Dark Side of the Ring, about the history of the Territories roundtable show. If you like the reenactments of Dark Side of the Ring, you're going to love that. Highly suggest you give that a watch. I'm sure it's streaming on demand on Vice. Blockbuster, the show Blockbuster on Netflix with uh, Randall Park, Melissa Fumero, and uh, J.B. Smoove. Very funny show, especially for someone like me who used to work at Blockbuster. So give that a watch on Netflix. But, oh, I got to talk about this. Wait, wait, uh, wait. This is CNN Breaking News. Blockbuster has been canceled. Oh, that sucks. Well, at least Randall Park still has Young Rock for now. True. But okay, I want to get to MST3K Season 13. But I don't want to talk about the entire season. I just want to talk about this one episode of Munchie. The movie Munchie. Munchie looks like a giant turd with ears. He Munchie looks like, looks like, like a, a turd with Mr. Spock ears. <laughs> It looks like a Manchichi, but totally wrong. I watched this and I was like, Dom DeLuise, why? Why did you do this? All right, but also, one documentary series on FX that was very good. Welcome to Wrexham, the show about Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhaney. They buy a, like, a four for fifth tier European soccer club. It's like they're trying to bring it back to prominence. And it's a very well done show. It's very much about the um, people in the town and the players on the team. Very good show. I always suggest you give it a watch. Also, um, one show on Hulu that I thought was very good, Reboot, with uh, Rachel Bloom and Keegan-Michael Key. And Judy Greer's boobies for some reason. Oh, that's right, yeah. Judy Greer's boobies. But another reboot that I think got a renewal. It's gotten a renewal from season two, the Quantum Leap reboot on NBC. And they've done a really good job keeping it with the continuity so far of the original series. They did. And the thing of it is, you have to be patient with it because, you know, the first couple of episodes, they don't really go into any real detail. But then... It hits you. Yes. Of the nature of the project and the nature of Sam Beckett himself. Yeah. So we'll see what happens the rest in season one with Dr. Ben Song, but also another big reboot. The Chippendale Rescue Rangers reboot movie. One of the most meta movies I've ever seen. It was indeed a meta movie. I yes. enjoyed it. Oh, I enjoyed it too. But the funny part is one of the visual gags in it is Butthead from Beavis and Butthead 
and an head is a senator in the Chip and Tail Rescuators reboot movie universe, which segues into the Beavis and Butthead do the universe movie on Paramount Plus and the sequel series on Paramount Plus. All of a sudden, it makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. Beavis and Butthead and Beavis and Butthead do the universe. They go through a wormhole and they end up in 2022. And they comment about how society just sucks in 2022, which, to be honest, they're not wrong. But the reboot series is also very excellent. I highly suggest you watch the episode where they think they're in Freaky Friday. It is the most hilarious episode of the reboot. And God bless Mike Judge. He did a great job with this. Iron Chef Quest for an Iron Legend reboot. Yeah, they Netflix went back and redid Iron Chef, but the thing of it is, it's Iron Chef. How do you mess up that format? You just can't. It's solid. Yes. 60 minutes, one theme ingredients, go to town. Wednesday. Okay, that is like one of the late year favorites that just hits. Wednesday, uh, with uh, Louis Guzman and Catherine Zeta-Jones and Jenna Ortega, they they're they're just they're just really good, and the series itself is just so dimensional. Yes, and I'll close the segment out talking about the Star Trek: The Motion Picture Director's Edition, which me and Chica we did a live show on. It yeah. premiered on Paramount Plus. It's now on HBO Max. Give it a watch. It's the 4K restoration of Star Trek, the motion picture director's edition. All new effects. Very good to see that this movie got a lot of love from Paramount. And I'm happy it got a big, spectacular Blu-ray release to close out the year. So that's going to do it for part one of the 2022 year in review show. And we'll talk about the shows that ended in 2022 and those who left us in 2022 in part two. We'll see you then. Okay. Give me the word, I'll just walk away. Do you ever feel like you're losing your mind? On a daily basis. All the time. You know, this isn't the first time we've met. Corona coffin, how could I forget? I don't know, Chrissy, you're a freak. You know, you're not what I thought you'd be. Eddie, did you find anything? Peaceful bliss, moments away. Chrissy, 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 wake up!